0: Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are having a very special episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast that will take you behind the scenes of the show and the process by which it is made. My guest today is actually my interviewer, Liz Walter, will be asking me the questions and I will be doing my best to answer them in a way that is interesting and entertaining. So welcome, Liz. Thanks, Carrie. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having this idea for the show. I think it's going to be really fun and maybe interesting for people who have been listening to the show for a while and want to know how it all works.
1: (laughs) So Carrie, I followed you since you were planning your own wedding in 2008. And in all that time, I've never seen you be asked a question by a future bride or groom that you couldn't answer. So I was really interested in how you became the expert on Disney weddings that you are and how you produce the podcast. So that's why I wanted to ha- chat with you today. That's awesome. How did you decide you wanted to have a Disney wedding podcast?
0: Well, I started with my book, which at the time was under the umbrella of the Passporter Travel Guides. It was Passporters, Disney Weddings, and Honeymoons. And I had had my book for a few years and I was interested in podcasting, but the idea didn't really occur to me until a fellow approached me and said he wanted to do a podcast about Disney weddings and would I be the resident expert. So we co-hosted the show for, I want to say about a year, and then when that situation dissolved, I decided to start my own podcast because I actually have a background in high school and college. I did radio and at one point I thought I was going to be a DJ until I found out that DJs just press buttons and say a couple words between songs and they don't get to pick their own playlists anymore or any of that. But I did have experience doing it and I knew how to do recording and editing and so I thought, well gee, I hear I could do something with it and it would dovetail with my love of Disney weddings. And it's a great way to answer Questions in between, you know, I try to make my book be as thorough as possible, but there are sometimes other types of questions that brides and grooms have that might best be answered by either hearing from another couple who got married at Disney or had a vow renewal at Disney, or just questions that... You know, I can turn around on a dime and answer. So if Disney releases a whole new set of pricing changes, it might take me a week or two to get those into my book. And then I release the update for my book and everybody who's already bought it can get the updated version for free. But with the podcast, I can be on the air Wednesday talking about the new changes.
1: You know, and I love that you do that, Carrie, because it really is such an immediate response to what is such a stressful time for so many brides and grooms.
0: Did you ever think you would be the expert on Disney weddings? (laughs) <laughs> no, I certainly didn't set out to be. <laughs> I just think when people ask me, you know, why Disney weddings? What? What's? Why are you into that? I think that everybody has their hobby or their interest, the thing that they know everything about. So maybe you have a favorite baseball team and you know all their stats. Or you love trains and you have this crazy, amazing model train set in your garage. My thing just happens to be Disney weddings. And for some reason, my brain can capture all kinds of random facts like how much a shivari chair costs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So many listeners asked if this was your only job or if it was a dedicated side
0: hustle. So at one point it was, but when you do the math, Disney only does 2,000 weddings per year at Disney World and on the cruise line combined. So even if every single person who got married there bought my book, my book only costs $10. So that's not even like an annual salary. It's really a labor of love and just something that I'm so interested in. And I love to be able to help people, especially with things that maybe frustrated me or that I was confused about when I was planning. So if I can share what I learned and help somebody else not feel that frustration, it just makes me feel good,
1: and I know that it helps so many of us who are trying to plan a wedding or vow renewal or some other special event, even. The second question that listeners asked the most was how you choose which couples to speak to and if you try for some sort of balance with the interviews that you do?
0: yeah. so it is really hard because there are so many beautiful weddings. they, like I say, they do almost two thousand weddings a year. There are so many fantastic, pictures coming out of Disney weddings and so many interesting couples and they've done so many wonderful things that it is very difficult to choose who to talk to on the show. But I do strive for a balance, as you mentioned. I try to do a regular mix of wishes, escape, memories, cruise, Disneyland, Disney World. It kind of comes down to the demographics. Most of the weddings are happening at Walt Disney World most of the people who are interested in planning information seem to be wishes couples I think because escape and especially memories are so easy to plan that they attract people who are not really they're not doing a lot of research they get the packet and they check off the boxes and they have exactly the wedding they want with no need to do research so I find that wishes is the one where the most people need the most help and information and because it can seem very overwhelming and complicated when you first start planning, especially since the first thing they hand you is this room block sheet and you're supposed to figure out where everybody who's coming to your wedding is going to want to stay. So I think that's why the main thrust is wishes. But of course, I try to pepper in shows about the other topics because there are escape couples and memories couples and people at Disneyland who have questions and it's helpful for them to hear the experience of others who have gone through this.
1: I love that you also feature at home brides. And one of my favorite at-home brides was a very special couple, um, Arlene and Dick Van Dyke. And I listened to this episode recently, and it was absolutely lovely. I loved when Arlene Van Dyke said, I feel like my life is a dream, and I wanted people to feel like they were in a dream. How did you come to interview them, and what was that experience like?
0: Well, it's the funniest thing. Several years ago, we ended up on the list of people who Dick Van Dyke calls to help decorate his house for Halloween. So if you don't know this, Dick Van Dyke is huge into Halloween, like he loves it the way many people love Christmas. And so every year he puts on this huge display with crazy monsters and lights and music at his house in Malibu. And because my husband worked at Jim Henson's Creature Shop at the time and he met a lot of creative people who were all freelancers and knew other people who did creative kind of stuff, this one woman he worked with, she had been asked by her friend, who is this guy who helps Dick Van Dyke do his Halloween display every year, like they've known each other for 30 years or whatever. He asked her if she knew anybody who could help out. My husband's creative. I'm love Dick Van Dyke. (laughs) And so when she said, you know, hey, we need a few more people to help move, you know, monsters around at Dick Van Dyke's house, of course we said yes. So we ended up doing it for about five years. And it was always a really just crazy experience to be there in his house. He's telling you these crazy stories about Mickey Rooney, or about Margot Kidder stashing her drugs under a potted plant in the backyard of his house. Like, You could never believe that you were actually there and actually hearing this stuff. I remember one time I got there, and nobody else showed up that day. And it was just me and Dick Van Dyke in his Jaguar driving to the hardware store to get stuff for Halloween. It was so surreal. (laughs) So... Finally, you know, after we'd been going there five years, in the course of this time, he had lost his first wife, and he had met Arlene, and they got married, and Arlene was super friendly, you know, because sometimes, especially when you're someone who's famous, you kind of have to be you have to protect yourself from weirdos. Um, (laughs) But Arlene was very friendly and she seemed to get along with all of us and like us. And so I just said, hey, you know, this is there's a Disney connection. I would love to find out about your wedding and how it came about. And she was happy to have me come over and I got to sit there and record them talking about their wedding. It was just amazing.
1: And it was amazing to listen to. It really was. (laughs) How long does it take to put a Podcast show together, and how far out do you block your spots?
0: What is spot blocking? <laughs> this is the problem. I'm not that organized. Okay. <laughs> so it takes a long time, partially because I'm a perfectionist. So I know with a lot of podcasts, they just hit record and go. I never feel comfortable being on a podcast like that because I feel like I have to watch every single thing that I say, and I do not want guests who are not professionals to have to feel like that. I want them to feel as comfortable as possible talking to me on the show. So that means I edit every single sentence. And so just depending on how long we talked, you know, if there's noise that I have to work on getting out of the background, it takes hours. You know, each episode takes hours to edit and then it's gathering the photos for the slideshow. So it does take a lot of time, but it really is a labor of love because with each wedding or vow renewal, I'm so excited to share this couple's story. And I love picking what I feel like are the best photos to represent it in my slideshows. You'll notice the slideshows keep getting bigger and bigger because I'm very indecisive and I love all the photos. (laughs) But I like to be able to visually tell the day and support the podcast episode so that you can be listening to it and then see photos of it at the same time on your phone or your computer. So It's always exciting with each new couple to kind of think, okay, what are the features? How are we going to tell their story and make people as excited about this episode as I am?
1: Kara, you have an amazing presence on social media and on the boards. How do you maintain that? How do you keep track of all the comments and the questions and people tagging you? That must be a lot
0: of work to do that, especially
1: as a side hustle.
0: Yeah, you know, but like I say, if it's your labor of love, it's something that's interesting to you. So for some reason, I love answering questions. Like my favorite thing to do is be interviewed or to do a survey. I used to do those surveys where you make money for doing the surveys. I love doing surveys. I love feeling like somebody cares about my opinion. So, you know, when somebody comes to me with a question, it's like a challenge. It's like, okay, how can I help this person best? What's the best thing that I can tell them that's going to get them the wedding of their dreams? So to me, it's fun. I love it when a question pops up in my inbox or somebody messages me on Facebook because it's a fun, you know, mental exercise to figure out what I know that can help them have the best event that they possibly can.
1: That's lovely. I love that answer, Carrie. I know you had a five-year bow renewal at Alani and another listener echoes my sentiments when she asked, how do you not want to have another event every year when you hear about all the new options?
0: I know. Every time they come out with something new, I'm like, okay, wait, how could I make this work? Like, what, how can I put these two things together to make this amazing party? Because yeah, there's always something, especially locations. I'm a huge fan of venues, which is why I have a million bazillion venue photos on fairytaleweddingsguide.com. And so when they release a new venue or they start doing weddings in a place that they've never done it before, I get so excited and I start to think about, okay, how would I do this? Where would I have my reception? Where would I have my ceremony? And uh, yeah, it's very tempting because is the, the options are always changing. And so it's fun to think about, you know, what you could do with those. Do you think about doing another vow renewal or Disney fairy tale wedding event? Yeah, you know, I always have thought I would never do another vow renewal at Walt Disney World because I feel like I couldn't top my wedding. I loved Morocco for the ceremony and I loved the attic for the reception. And I've done an anniversary party in Tower of Terror. They don't let you use Haunted Mansion out there. So I feel like I can't think of anything out there that would be so amazing that it could be better than what we did for our wedding. So that's why we had the five year at Alani. We went to Disneyland Paris for our 10th anniversary. And I talked to them a little bit about doing a vow renewal there. But I just felt like the money would be better spent on my favorite thing, which is a room looking into the park. (laughs) And you get, you know, your whole stay there for the price of a few moments of vow renewal. So, yeah, but I mean, I would love to do one. I have fantasies of doing one at Tokyo Disney Sea. You know, doing something new that we haven't done before seems really interesting.
1: I hope you get to do it one day and we get to hear about it. <laughs> All of your regular listeners know that you love cake. So, what are your favorite flavors?
0: Okay, they're very specific. So, you might want to have a pen and paper handy. <laughs> <laughs> My two legacy favorite flavor combinations. Red velvet cake, that's pretty common, with cream cheese buttercream frosting. So, Disney has cream cheese mousse, that's their standard for wedding cakes at Walt Disney World. And to me, it tastes too much like cheesecake. It's just so cheesy. So, I, one of the cakes I had them make for our anniversary, I had them do cream cheese buttercream, kind of like you would get at Suzy Cakes or another bakery where they make homestyle cakes. And it was amazing. So, red velvet and cream cheese buttercream. My number two favorite is. It used to be chocolate with peanut butter and chocolate mousse, but I find now that I prefer like vanilla or vanilla with chocolate chips in it. And then the filling is not their peanut butter cup mousse, which I'm sure it's lovely, but because it incorporates their peanut butter mousse, I'm not a fan. So what I do instead is I have them layer chocolate ganache, which is really fudgy and way more chocolatey than their chocolate mousse. And they layer it with peanut butter buttercream frosting. So again, I'm a big buttercream frosting fan. So you just have them make that, but with peanut butter in it. And it's like the perfect Reese's peanut butter cup combination of like really fudgy chocolate and sweet, delicious peanut butter. And then I have a new favorite. I heard everybody raving about it, and I had to try it. So for our Epcot anniversary party that we just did that was it was 80s Epcot-themed, we had them make us this cake that looked like Captain E.O. Mickey, and it had churro with churro crunch mousse in it, and I can assure everyone listening that it is as good as everybody says. I thought it was going to be dry and taste like a muffin or something, but it was very moist. And the churro filling is like cinnamon sugary. And they they use fulatine, I think it's called. It's these little crispy cookies that are all kind of crumbled up in it. Oh, it was so good.
1: (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) What's the biggest thing that's ever gone wrong or not turned out like you planned while recording your show?
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay, so when I first started doing it on my own, I will admit there were a couple of times where I did an entire interview, and I said goodbye, and I looked, and I had not pressed the record button. And it happened more than once. (laughs) So both guests were very gracious, and they let me call them back and do the whole interview over, and it went much quicker because they knew exactly what they were going to (laughs) say. So it turned out okay. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) After hearing so many wedding stories, do you think that there's an ideal wedding at Disney?
0: No, because everybody has a different idea of what ideal is. So yes, I feel like I can help somebody achieve what's ideal for them. But you know, what's ideal for you is going to depend on so many different factors. If you've dreamed of getting married in the wedding pavilion since you were nine, then your ideal wedding is going to be at the wedding pavilion. And maybe you like the idea of ease and not needing transportation. So a ballroom wedding in the Grand Floridian Convention Center is a dream to you, where somebody else wants to do something unusual they haven't seen a lot of, and they do everything inside the park. So I feel like As long as you're staying true to your vision and what you think you want for your wedding, you are going to have your ideal wedding. How
1: about dream locations for an event? All of your listeners asked about your dream ceremony, reception, and dessert party locations and your favorite resort at Disney World.
0: Let's see. I'll I'll work backwards. The resort's there's so many that I love for so many different reasons, but I feel like the Beach Club is my home resort because it's where we stayed on our honeymoon and we had never really stayed at Walt Disney World before except for a very brief planning trip at Pop Century. And it was just so romantic. I love the architecture. I love the interior of the rooms, which unfortunately they've sort of de themed in their latest makeover. I love Storm Along Bay. I love that it's right by Epcot and you can just. Walk right into Epcot because I think Epcot's my favorite park. I think. And then being able to look at the boardwalk, just the views across to the boardwalk and all the lights on the boardwalk and the boats coming and going. It's so exciting. Ceremony is tough because I always feel this allegiance to Morocco. I love Morocco. I love how colorful and unusual it is. We had people look at our wedding photos and they couldn't figure out where we were married. I mean, some of them thought we were actually married in Morocco, some of them thought we were married in Italy. Like, it's timeless and so beautiful. But I'm trying to think if there's another ceremony venue. I mean, anything unusual and in the park. For me, it always comes back to the parks because that's an experience that you can't have anyplace else. I can get married in a hotel anywhere. But a Disney park that has been themed by professional Imagineers, you're not going to find anything like that anywhere. Reception? I do love the attic. I know it's small. It doesn't accommodate a lot of people. But I love how it's high and you look out and you see the boardwalk and you see the lake and you see Spaceship Earth and you can see the beach club and you get to see boats going back and forth. I just love a place with a view. I'm trying to think if there's any place else. I did love our Tower of Terror anniversary party. That's amazing. The theming is amazing. There's not as much to look at though. It's not, you don't really go for the view or anything. It's mostly about, oh my gosh, we're sitting right in front of Tower of Terror. (laughs) (laughs) And my new favorite, which I actually have two new favorites. So For smaller weddings, I just got a chance to check out Luau Point, which is basically the exit area to the Polynesian Luau at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort. And it's beautiful. I thought, oh, it's just the exit area. You know, it's right by the Luau, but it really isn't. It's very secluded. They have these beautiful winding pathways. I found like a million great photo spots. And depending on where you have your ceremony set up, you can see the water and the castle. So that's pretty amazing. And then my other new favorite is the oak manor lawn which is over at port orleans riverside it's very beautiful i love the arcade they have these trees on either side that run the length of the lawn and you've got the fountain and the beautiful antebellum mansion that you're facing and then the other way you have the beautiful river and their little boats going by and so i was really impressed with that location too
1: how about your just favorite dessert party location
0: Well, definitely UK Lockside because we had our wedding dessert party there, but also because I think that it has the best or is tied for the best viewing of illuminations at Epcot. Now, this may all change when they change the show, but Italy to me, Italy and uk have the best views of the show where you especially uk because you feel like you're so close to it and the venue is secluded it's down a path you're not right on the pathway with people walking by so you feel it feels private you're right on the water you see the fireworks reflected in the water Italy's also awesome because it's centered on the show and it kind of jets out a little bit so you also feel a bit more secluded than at some of the other locations and neither of them have islands blocking the view which for me is pretty important
1: You are excellent at helping brides and grooms cut their budget with your tips and even on social media, being able to help troubleshoot with people. But let's say someone is for some reason under budget for their enhancements or their food and beverage minimum. Do you have add-ons that you recommend
0: It depends because obviously what's important to them and how far under budget they are. You know, sometimes it can be fun to add back something, some little thing that you thought, well, I'm going to save money by, you know, not bringing in these fancy napkins. And then you find out you're, you know, $5 a person under. And so, oh, well, if I bring a $5 napkin in for everybody, then that's that little pop of color and it makes a big difference. Sometimes it's fun to add things that can double as favors, like if you get wrapped Mickey Krispies, so then it's a food item and it helps meet your minimum, but also it's something fun that they can take with them and they're not just stuffing another dessert in their face right when they're there. A big one for me is always suggesting scoops of ice cream for the cake, because in real life everybody eats ice cream with cake, but I think when you're at a wedding you kind of forget that ice cream goes so well with cake, and so I've never seen a complaint when there's been ice cream with the cake. (laughs) and so then big things if you've done a fantastic job and you are way under your minimums I think something a splurge like the coach the Cinderella's glass coach if you're really into that or characters something like that that you can find only at a Disney wedding something that your guests they're never going to have seen that before and they're going to keep talking about it characters especially if you have kids but also I hear so many couples say well we didn't know if we should have characters because there weren't any kids and then all the adults freaked out when Mickey showed up so if you're into characters that's definitely a great splurge and then the carriage so often I see people say I can't decide am I going to regret it if I don't have it am I going to regret it if I do have it and invariably whatever people decide they're happy with so people who decided that they didn't want to spend that money on 15 minutes in a glass coach are like I'm so glad I saved the money I put it towards something else and then people who did splurge on it are like I can't imagine my day without it so whatever you decide is going to be right for you <laughs> you really can't lose yeah <laughs> Carrie,
1: in the same vein, do you have any sort of must haves for a Disney fairy tale wedding?
0: I think anything that like I say, sets it apart as a Disney wedding. So if you're like me and you're not super into characters, maybe you're not going to have characters, but maybe you love Dole Whips. And so you pay to have their, you know, they always say it's not going to be a real Dole Whip, but it's as close as we can get. So you pay to give everybody Dole Whips or you love Mickey premium bars, which are a great thing to use, especially at dessert parties. Like all you need at a dessert party is a cart full of Disney ice cream bars, a variety of Disney ice cream bars, they build them on consumption and you only pay for what people actually eat. And people love them because it's like a shopping spree. It's like, here's this cart and I can have anything I want in it and I'm not paying. (laughs) And that's a very Disney touch. So anything that you can add that says, hey, this is why you came all this way for this wedding because it's different. We're doing X, Y, or Z. I think you can't go wrong.
1: What are the most common answers to your question? Did anything go wrong at your wedding? And what are your strategies to avoid
0: those common mishaps? Okay, so the reason I asked that question, I know that Disney is kind of like, why do you always ask them to tell about everything that went wrong? But if you listen to my episodes, you will realize that Almost all of the time, the thing that went wrong had nothing to do with Disney. It wasn't anything that Disney screwed up or any circumstance on their end. It's usually something like my heel broke as I was walking down the aisle or the bridesmaids were late getting their hair and makeup done. It's always some little thing that. I'm not going to say it can be avoided with planning because, you know, a heel breaking or somebody getting sick. Obviously, you can't prepare for that. But rarely is it ever some huge mistake that Disney made that ruined your wedding. And half the time, when it is something that has nothing to do with Disney, your Disney planner is the one who fixes it for you. They are so on the ball. They're ready for any situation that nothing that can go wrong in your day is going to ruin your day because they're going to have a solution for you. Do you ever get invited to weddings? (laughs) Yes. Oh, I wish I could go to all the weddings. I love them. (laughs) The one that I'm so sad that we couldn't go to was one at Disneyland. These fellows had this tiki wedding that is going to be on my show soon. And it was amazing. And I'm looking at the photos just being like, why didn't we make this happen? (laughs) Good question. Are you never
1: asked and always wish couples asked you?
0: This is one of my soapbox topics. I wish that couples stopped for a second at the very beginning and really thought about whether they should have a bridal party. Now, I know this might sound controversial because bridal parties are such a time-honored part of a wedding, but I will tell you that in more than 10 years of doing this, I have seen time and again that the number one stress causer for weddings is not budget, it's not mothers-in-law, it is the bridal party. Specifically bridesmaids, but you know what? Groomsmen can be a hassle too. And even if everybody is a perfectly well-behaved angel, you are still having to pay for all this floral for them, whether it's boutonnieres or bouquets or some bouquet alternative. And then people often feel compelled to give them gifts. And sometimes if you're really nice and really flush, you pay to have their hair and makeup done. So it's this extra expense and it's this extra stress, and nobody is going to be as invested in your wedding as you are. So you can't expect these other people, you know, a lot of times you see people who expect the bridal party to be their workers, to to help them stuff envelopes or, you know, get favors ready. And if they're into that, that is awesome. But if you pick somebody who's not into that, it can be a huge hassle. So I just say, I know the first thing you want to do when you get engaged is tell everybody and then ask everybody to be your bridesmaid or your groomsman, but really think about the costs of having bridesmaids and groomsmen. So what's your advice
1: for couples who want to honor special friends of theirs at this time in their lives?
0: Oh, there's so many other ways you can do it. I mean, you're inviting them to your wedding. That is a great way to show them that you care about them. You can give them other roles in the ceremony, like maybe they can do a reading, they can be an usher. Or just allow them to enjoy your wedding as a guest. I feel like that is a great gift because then they can just have the fun stuff and none of the work.
1: When you sit down with a, do a wedding planning session with Disney, either if you're an escape rider, memories brought on the phone, or if you're sitting down in a planning session as a wishes bride or groom, you're asked, who's going to take your cake cutter and guest book and these other things that you may have brought along? Often couples will assign this to somebody who's in the wedding party. What would you advise them to do if they
0: forego a wedding party? That's what mothers-in-law are for. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, mothers-in-law. I didn't mean to give you that burden. There are plenty of other people who are coming to your wedding who can do this. It doesn't have to be your bridal party. It can be whoever is loving and willing enough to do that for you.
1: Carrie, you've talked about a couple of items that make Disney weddings Disney, is there something else that you think makes it really unique and very magical and Disney-like that you would suggest that couples consider?
0: Definitely incorporating fireworks. In the Disney wedding community, we refer to this in shorthand as a dessert party, but basically it's any kind of special event where you can see fireworks. So the ideal for me being inside Epcot, you're right there under the fireworks. You can serve desserts, you can serve dinner, you can serve breakfast. It doesn't matter what kind of food you have, but you have a catered event in front of the fireworks. You can also do them for the Magic Kingdom fireworks at the Grand Floridian Marina or at the Contemporary and you can do them for Fantasmic. I feel like that's an event that your guests are never going to have experienced anyplace else, and it's such a wow factor. It's the thing that our guests are still talking about all these years later. It's the thing that they're never going to see at any other wedding they go to, and it makes them feel like VIPs because they're escorted to the location, and you have a private area, and all these this bounty of desserts or food is laid out for them, and it's just so memorable and so uniquely Disney that... I feel like it's a fantastic add-on. The one thing I do see a lot of people worry about is if you're having a morning wedding and reception, there's a break until it gets dark enough to have fireworks. And sometimes people worry, you know, what are my guests going to do? They're going to be all at loose ends. And is it weird that my wedding is over and then there's a break and then we go do this other thing? And I would just say that Hundreds, if not thousands of us have done this, and it works great because your guests get a break, they can change out of their monkey suit, they can go swimming or take a nap or go play in the parks or explore Disney Springs... You get to take a nap. (laughs) And then you have something to look forward to at the end of the day. So, if your reception ends at two, that's not it. That's not a wrap on your wedding. You still have this wonderful, fun, exciting experience waiting for you at the end of the day that you can look forward to. And then you go out on a big high, especially if you combine it with a ride mix in, which not a lot of people know about this, but if you're inside a park, After the fireworks, if it coincides with the end of the park's operating hours, you can pay $15.75 per guest without admission and have all of you escorted onto the last ride of the day without waiting in line. And that's another thing that just knocks guests' socks off. They feel like total VIPs, especially if it's something like Frozen that you can barely ever get a fast pass for. They just get escorted right onto Frozen and everybody rides it together and it's an amazing experience. Carrie, you've planned a Disney wedding, a Disney vow renewal, and
1: multiple private events at Disney. Is there anything you would have changed or you wish you had known when you were planning those events?
0: Yes, it's funny. Every single one, I learn something new and I'm like, oh, dang, I wish I'd known that. Okay, I'll do that next time. And the next time I think, I know exactly how to do this. And then it happens. and I'm like, oh, I forgot about blah, blah, blah. So I think the reason I keep doing them is I'm trying to achieve the ideal perfect event where I remember every single thing that I want. I mean, sometimes it can be something that's totally out of your control. Like when we did our Tiki Dinoversary inside Universe of Energy, we were supposed to go from the dessert party to a ride mix-in on Frozen to the party in Universe of Energy, but Frozen was down. So, you know, it wasn't like anybody could control that, but it was kind of a drag. And then finally, in our last party that we just had, we finally got to go on a Frozen ride mix-in, and it was so exciting. You've given us so many
1: good tips, so much good information about Disney weddings. What's your best piece of advice for future Disney couples?
0: Okay. I'm going to cheat on this one because I always let my guests cheat on the one about what's your favorite memory, because of course their favorite memory is getting married. So they should be allowed to pick another favorite memory. So I'm going to do two. (laughs) So the first piece of advice is when you're planning and that is have the wedding that you want. You are not having your mother's wedding. You are not having your culture's wedding or society's wedding or the wedding that your friends think that you should have. At the end of the day, in five years, ten years, nobody is going to remember your wedding except you. So make it the wedding that you wanted to have. And if people are miffed now because they had to go to Disney or they didn't think you should have done a destination wedding, they're going to forget all about it. They're going to love your Disney wedding and you're going to have an amazing time because you're doing what you, too, want to do. It's what you guys want to do. It's your wedding. So then on the actual wedding day, my second piece of advice is stop and ground yourself and enjoy the day. So many people I interview say, oh, it went by in a blur, I didn't get to eat my food, or I barely got to taste my cake. If you have to set a reminder on your phone or ask one of your bridesmaids, because you didn't listen to me and you had a bridesmaid, <laughs> <laughs> ask one of your bridesmaids or your some relative to stop you every once in a while and just appreciate what's happening, that here is this amazing party that Disney is putting on for you. All of your friends and family are there. You're never going to have another situation like this again unless you decide to do a vow renewal, which I highly recommend. (laughs) But... This is the event that you've been working so hard for and you need to remember to stop and just enjoy it. A lot of couples also give the advice to on the wedding day, that's it. You can't control anything after that. Just let it go and things are gonna. the chips are going to fall where they may, but it's going to turn out okay in the end. And I think that's a good piece of advice too. Stop trying to control it and just enjoy the ride. That's terrific
1: advice, Carrie. One of the things that I always note know- During your podcast is you always talk about celebrating romance and that's kind of part of your tagline for your podcast. After all this time, all these stories, all these experiences, your own and other people's. Do you think that that's still the focus for you?
0: Oh, definitely. Because that's what keeps people interested in Disney weddings. At the end of the day, it's a wedding and almost all weddings follow the same pattern. There's a lot of similarity between weddings, but what sets them apart is how romantic they are and how they really are this embodiment of this couple's hopes and dreams. And I can't tell you how many times I'll be listening to a bride or a groom share their story and I'll start getting choked up because it's just so beautiful how special this was to them and things that occurred that meant so much to them. And i just love hearing their stories as do we Carrie <laughs> I want to thank you so much for letting
1: me interview you as I said in the beginning of the podcast I've followed you since you planned your own wedding from back in the day on the disboards and so it's really been a joy to watch how this cottage industry of expertise on disney weddings has grown and really wonderful to see how much time and effort you give to the entire Disney wedding community. So I just want to thank you for having me on and letting me interview you.
0: Oh, well, that's so nice of you to say. And, and it's really, it's actually been fun stepping back and thinking about this instead of just putting my head down and doing the work to kind of think about the overall, you know, why am I doing this? And who is it for? And it's really nice to know that uh, it's so appreciated. It, it very much is, Carrie. That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward, inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at disneyweddingpodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show site, DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And for instant answers to all your Disney's fairy tale weddings questions, Check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com.